Welcome to the Sales Mindset Podcast. I'm here today with Brian, of course. I'm Dr. D. Dennis. Brian, let's start with our question. Yeah, so today we are going to be talking about how can sales professionals enhance their problem-solving skills to better Mm -hmm. connect with their clients. Excellent. I love this question, and it it requires a little bit of a lead-up for this particular question. the, the thing we need to really talk about is why do salespeople need problem-solving skills? Mm. So we've got that typical idea of a salesperson just going out there and pushing your products on someone. And that's not how a good salesperson is supposed to operate. Sure. So when it comes to what a salesperson is, you know, think about a salesperson as a problem solver. If you are a salesperson, you are a problem solver, not a problem creator. Yeah. And so if you're selling financial products, how are those financial products going to solve the problems of the customer that's buying them? If you are selling, you know, uh, we were talking about the, the kegerade and everything before the, the cameras rolled. You know, if you're selling beer, how is the beer going to help that restaurant or mm-hmm. that store serve their customers better? So it's all about solving that problem. The problem is, is that increasingly, anecdotally, so there's no research on this, but anecdotally, people feel that there's less and less problem-solving skills. I was recently at a conference where we were talking about that. Uh, it was an educator's conference, so we weren't talking about it in terms of our own issues with students, more about how do we solve this particular problem. And where it came from is that the recruiters, the employers, the people who are hiring the salespeople were frustrated with college students not really having the analytical skills, the ability to solve those problems. Sure. Why is that? And in my mind, and as I was discussing with these other educators, so what I did is I took it back to the early 2000s in a federal initiative signed by uh, Bush Jr. called mm-hmm. No Child Left Behind. Yeah, yeah. And No Child Left Behind I had the best of intentions, but what it really did is it started relying on this idea of standardized tests. Mm-hmm. And so now you're teaching to a test instead of teaching thinking skills. Mm-hmm. Thinking skills, you can you can teach it, you can grade it, everything necessary, but you can't do it on a larger scale. So I think about it as myself as an instructor. In any of the courses I've taught at the college level, I can either, if I'm dealing, well, if I'm dealing with a large amount of people, I don't have the time nor the teaching assistant staff to grade open-ended questions to really evaluate someone's yeah. ability to think through it. Plus, there's such an excessive reliance on rubrics these days. Yeah. Rubrics don't really encourage critical thinking skills. That's why in sales management, I never use them. Yeah. Because now you have to think on your feet. And it's you know, it's tough for students to be like, well, how come this person got this? What about the subjectivity of it at all? Yeah. That's I'm trying to see how well you can peel the onions yeah. that, that what I'm trying to, to teach everyone. So how do you do it and how do you do it for yourself? Yeah. So that's that's the real trick here. As an educator, I know how we're going to look at addressing it when it comes to our students. But if you're self-learning, what you really have to do is start to exactly that. Start to teach yourself these particular skills. Start looking at problems mm-hmm. and think about different ways that you can solve those particular problems. 
in in higher education, our biggest benefit is that we have these case discussions from Harvard that I can guide students through. But look at the news and look at things that have happened. So example one, Wells Fargo, which you know I used to teach in yeah, class. Yeah. Now, what went wrong at Wells Fargo? For the listeners, what happened at Wells Fargo is that the salespeople, the loan officers, uh, the people that you probably don't think about as salespeople, but are in fact salespeople, they had an excess quota. And because of that excess quota, they were opening up these these accounts. The CEO said eight is great. And having background in finances, uh, well, in financial institutions, eight financial products is a very unreasonable amount of financial yeah. products for, for really a customer eight. to have. That's it was great. eight is great. That's and great. why did you pick it? Because it rhymed. Yeah, yeah. You combine that with an aggressive... So by itself, probably wouldn't be big wouldn't have been a big deal, but you add to it the aggressive nature of what the community bank structure had mm -hmm. caused. Uh, in addition to not having a good team, good people are going to leave, the bad people are going to stay, and, yeah. and so so forth. The brain drain. So, so what we do in class is we look through that. Now it's a management problem there. Mm -hmm. So what do customers usually have? What type of problems do your customers usually have? And how can your products actually solve them? When I talk about sales and when I, when I teach sales either with individual workshops or in class, I teach insight selling challenger sale. And it's really about asking the questions and learning how to ask those questions. Yeah. Because you don't want to assume that you know what the problem is. You also don't want to assume that the customer knows what the problem is. And that can be a big problem sometimes, no pun intended there, where the customer thinks this is the problem. And then you say, great, I've got this product that'll solve your problem. But what happens when it doesn't solve your problem? Mm -hmm. So as a salesperson, especially in this modern age of artificial intelligence and, and everything coming together being about the customer, you want to make sure that the customer's problem is actually their problem. Now, a lot of that might be dependent upon the industry that you happen to be in. You know, we're selling sales training, for example. I have to make sure that the people that they're hiring actually need that type of training, need the mindset. There's plenty of evidence that people do need those mindsets, do need to, yeah. to see what they need to be uh, successful, not just in sales, but every everything else that they do. But all, but if they're not hiring properly. So I'm going to have to ask questions yeah. if they're going to buy some of the stuff and say, well, let's, before we sell you this seat for this training course, or before I come in and do a two day workshop, mm -hmm. tell me how you're hiring people. Tell me how you're already training them. Because if they're not hiring based on soft skills, if they're hiring based on hard skills. Yeah. Just reading a resume and picking yeah. options, just it, hard it, experience. Exactly. So I'm going to have to sit down and say, well, my course is not going to help you because it's not going to fix this problem that mm -hmm. you don't see that you're hiring the wrong people. Yeah. And so, and, and you can look through different areas as well. If you're a financial advisor, if you're selling investment products to someone and they aren't spending properly or they're not, you know, they, they, they need guidance somewhere else. That's going to be a problem because your financial products might not solve that problem either. So really you've got to look at that. When you're a new salesperson in those industries, it's probably going to be a little harder. And that's where mentoring and however you're getting trained on those products, you should talk about some typical customer problems, but also typical customer problems that aren't there. So hopefully the training is there that you're saying you need to ask these questions and yeah. you need to probe deep. So 
All of that's to say, my answer to that question is learn how to ask questions to discover what the problems are mm-hmm. and continue doing what you can to help yourself learn how to dig deeper. It's going to require a lot of reading. Realistically, if you want to be a successful person, you're going to want to be a problem solver in any field that you happen to go yeah. into. And part of that, one of the mindsets, it's not taught in the course, but one of the mindsets, one of the soft skills, one of the business competencies that's really important is to to be a lifelong learner, to be reading and constantly learning so that you can think through problems with new new approaches. Sure. I know you had some thoughts on this. Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot to unpack on that. A few different things that popped into my mind. But one of the biggest ones is coming down to the actual path that you take in employment. I'm saying you, you stick with a company, you're loyal to a company, and you stay within it. Just as an obvious, like, matter-of-fact in front of your face statement, the people who are in charge are the ones making decisions and thinking about how to make decisions. Mm-hmm. And then people who are... Uh, coming in uh, as temp work or they're just clocking in nine to five, they're following orders and they're making uh, only the small decisions that they have to control. And if you stay in a sort of atmosphere where you're just going to clock in and do your job, whether it be on an hourly job or even just in your daily life, even if you're an entrepreneur and you're saying, I'm going to sell these items to these people and I'm done with my day, then you're not going to get any further in a ladder as opposed to being able to learn how to make decisions, learn how to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And part of the training process, we actually just started training a new person at uh, my realty job for working the desk, is I hate saying, you know, do this, do this, do that, do that, because they're just going to remember how to spit up the facts of how to work in the day, as opposed to, I want you to understand how every department handles what you do after you do it. Mm -hmm. That way, if somebody calls with a question that maybe you've never dealt with before, you're able to make your own decision on it. You don't need to ask for help. And it sets somebody up for leadership in their field or in their field, in the job itself, room for growth, Mm -hmm. as well as makes, uh, allows people to feel a little bit more connected to their work and they want to be there Mm -hmm. as opposed to just, again, coming in and clocking and taking orders. So part of the process with the realty job is people leave Zillow listing inquiries where they go on there and they say, I'm interested in this house. Can I see it this week? And it pops up in our system and then you get their information. The front desk will assign it to a leasing agent who Mm -hmm. will then go after it. And instead of saying, all right, get on there and send them this pre-written text message and click assign to this person Mm -hmm. and just do that every day. Like I want you to understand the life of this lead. Yeah. Like what they're going to do when they get it. That way, if somebody calls instead of leaves a message on Zillow and they say, hey, I was trying to get in touch with this leasing agent, but I haven't heard from them. Could you help me with that? They're like, oh, okay, it's in this stage of the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Let me get with Remy so I can sit down and understand the whole process. Maybe we can get them in faster. It allows them to feel like they're part of the, not uh, not the problem, but rather they're, they're part of the system yeah. that's making it all work. So a big part of that is the questions. I mentioned that. Mm-hmm. But with those questions being as curious as possible. Uh, One of the things that just sparked into my head is when I bought my Jeep. It was such a bad experience. Now, I was ready for it. You know, you teach sales, you're, you're ready for any of the bad sales stuff that might come your way. And he was trying to get to know me, but he wasn't asking questions that were appropriate for a Jeep. So Mm -hmm. some of the things that are important to recognize for Jeeps is that they are very loud. 
Mm-hmm. Even the modern Jeeps are still much louder in how they handle themselves compared to uh, a nicer car. They yeah, yeah. spend for that much. So they also have maintenance issues. They, they have their things. You're, you buy a Jeep, you want to you understand that. So going into it, he he was asking all about me, but he never asked why I wanted a Jeep. Yeah. Why did I come in for a Jeep? Because if I said, oh, they look cool, maybe you shouldn't sell me a Jeep or at least put all the warts out there. Yeah, yeah. Because now it's going to generate trust mm-hmm. uh, in that, it's like, are you sure you want to buy this vehicle? Because mm-hmm. it is a loud vehicle. And you know you're you're gonna have trouble talking to people on the phone with it. You know, yeah. If you talk, if he he had a good conversation with me, you know he might say, "How often do you speak on your phone?" You've got to be curious. Yeah. You've got to learn how to stoke that curiosity and ask deeper questions. What else? Tell me a little bit more about how you're gonna drive it. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're going off road. Tell me more about that. Yeah. You know, learn to be curious, not to the point of annoying. You you want to get to that point of saying why why why. Uh, but not so much that you're going to irritate the person. Mm-hmm. But if you're showing a genuine interest in who they are to really understand the situation so they make a great purchase, it shouldn't come off as childlike. Yeah. And the best part of that, <coughs> and the best part of that is not only do you get the sale that day, but you might get any referral work or exactly. you maintain a relationship with them and they come back when they want to buy their next car or they'll come to the dealership and maybe you have some sort of rapport with them for when they go into the service center. Mm-hmm. And it it's instead of on the first day rushing them through the door and getting a sale, you get to know them, get them the right car. Maybe it's even a better car. You get more commission or even if you get less commission or fewer commission, it pays dividends in the long run. You also feel like a better person yeah, on no, the way in. Absolutely. So let's talk about the opposite of that. Yeah. This is the salesperson that just comes in, builds rapport and says, great, here's a car for you. Yeah. Here's all the features of that particular car. This will be great. And maybe they even assume that you're going to want this feature or that feature for mm-hmm. for something like that. For, for something like that. Really vague. But when you're asking these questions and when you're actually problem solving, asking what's wrong with your current situation so that you can position the benefits of whatever you happen to be selling yeah. to the to the problems, to the things they don't like. Mm-hmm. So and this is this is gap selling to some degree as well. Yeah. I know another person that just says expand on the pain. It's like, well, you know, you said you didn't like if I was buying another Jeep, for example. You yeah. said you didn't not like how loud it was in that vehicle. Maybe you should have a vehicle that's quieter. Yeah. Imagine if you're on the phone with an important client and they keep saying what, 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 what. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, that's kind of the same concept of like the sell me this pen. This like thought experiment <sighs> where the trap, I think it's a silly game too. Yeah. But it's a silly game. But conceptually, if you want to take one thing away from it, where the wrong answer is anything but why do you want a pen or asking questions rather the only right way, the only right way to win the game is to start asking questions as opposed to offer solutions yeah and i think that it, i hate it it's an interview question that some companies yeah. do it it's a ridiculous interview question because how many possible questions can you ask about selling a pen? Yeah, yeah. It's a very short window type of thing. I think it's more of like that first answer thought experiment. It's do you understand the concept of selling something? Yeah. And, and the right answer if someone says sell me a pen is to say, do you need a pen? Mm. Do you have a pen? Do yeah. you like your pen? 
does the pen, how long, how, how old is the pen? Yeah. What don't you like about the pen? Is it going to run out soon? Can you mm. refill the pen? You know, does your hand hurt if you're writing with the pen for yeah. a while? It's also a question that definitely gets away from the fact that we have laptops these days. So yeah, uh, don't use the pen as much as before. Exactly. So the idea of writing and and, and yeah. it hurting can be an issue. So especially if they're like, sell me this pen. Yeah. It's uh, like, oh, we already have it. Yeah, it's, it's a bit contrived. So when it comes to you know problems, though, it's it's. You know, learning how to ask the questions and learning how to be curious, mm-hmm. I think, is the real short answer of that. But underscoring that, especially if you're just graduating now, and th- this is not meant to be a generational thing, it is very likely that your schools may not have prepared you to be an analytical thinker, to yeah. be a problem solver. And it's it's not your fault. It's 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 I guess um, that that was after I right after I graduated college. So it's the the people who supported that initiative's fault. And again, it it was brought up with the best of intentions. Yeah. But uh, nowadays we don't think about second and third order consequences. Yeah. Things like that, and we wouldn't have even known. Uh, that's just how these things go. Yeah. Very uh, immediate uh, response type yeah. of type of situation. Uh, I actually have two thoughts on that. The the first one, so a fun game that I used to like to play when I was doing the ad agency, when we would go on to interview somebody coming on. I did it for the sales positions, but also just any position, because it's in the advertising field, the entire thing is problem solution, where why are we posting this? Why are we going to run this ad? Why do we want to contact this publication for a press release specifically? It's, you know... Uh, or what do you call that note take Cornell note taking style? Why solution? Mm. You know, I like I always like to ask not sell me this pen, but I'd ask them like, oh, what's your favorite color? And they would say their favorite color, and I would say, okay, cool. Now let's pretend like we're not an interview anymore. Like I'm your age, so mm-hmm. speak as casually as you want. Tell me why your color is better than my favorite color, which is white. And then we would just like argue mm. back and forth for a minute, and I like to see how like people would would argue okay. their color. Um, very only one person ever said, why is your favorite color white? It only happened one time. Mm. Remember, I was so excited. I was like, oh my goodness, that's crazy. Nobody's ever done that before. Everybody says, oh, well, you know, yellow is the color of the sky and that makes you happy and, you know, to start running on with their own thing or maybe somebody would get to it eventually. But it was always really fun because even if uh, you didn't hit the why is your favorite color white right out of the gate, hearing why somebody justified their answer or just how casual somebody was comfortable comfortable being after that moment. Because one guy went, my favorite color is red. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's have you know our argument. He's like, well, red is badass. I'm like, oh, wow, that's crazy. You opened really strong on that. I wasn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. And it was really, it's fun to play the, the, the game. And that's it. You get to see the confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two. Yes, number two, if I can remember. Oh, when it comes to the analytical thinking, is viewing any problem as that Cornell note-taking style, mm-hmm. I guess, that, that shows up in your daily life or work life specifically, in this case, or, or sales purposes, is what got drilled into my head taking like advertising classes in school. I took very few of them. I was a business major, but mm-hmm. took you know marketing-related classes that kind of went hand-in-hand hand with that. And then working in an advertising agency was the way that we started a campaign or the way that we started an account was almost like a, a SWOT analysis where what is this business right now? What are they looking to do? What are they, how do they want to grow? What are they trying, you know, kind of mm-hmm. outlining 
all the p potential problems, all the weak points, but all the positive points and the things that make it unique. Like we would build a guide about the business and understand it. And then we would say, anytime that we'd go to run an ad, why are we doing this? And what I liked to do was almost have uh, a few, like one, two, three, four, doesn't matter, like bullet points of objectives or reasons. Mm -hmm. So it would be, we're trying to funnel more business owners to look at this realty company, mm -hmm. right? For you know, just as an example, so specifically, we want to target owners and generate awareness. Like that is a reason. And then when you go to post something, ask yourself: Is this reason one, two, three, or four? No, don't post it. Mm. Or why are we posting it at that rate? You shouldn't be doing something just to do it. And it's kind of viewing any problem the same way, kind of giving like a sort of SWOT analysis to any situation. I think that's the best way to practice analytical thinking: is asking yourself, why am I doing this, yeah. or why am I making this action? That's that's actually good. I had a conversation with someone that wanted to start up a social media mm -hmm. account, and I'm like, why? Oh. Um, uh, SWOT analysis, if you've not known, is is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, yeah. and threats. Just for the viewers, listeners. But I have actually not heard of this Cornell note taking style. Oh sure, yeah, uh, it's very outdated. No, okay. it's it's definitely like a, like an old school thing. We did it in elementary school for some reason a couple times just to practice for when we get into high school and we actually do that, but nobody ever did that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's basically you have like a T chart where when you're taking notes, the left hand is what, and then the the right hand column of the T chart is the explanation, and mm -hmm. you write it as a question. So it's you know you're learning about the Aztec Empire. Mm -hmm. It says when did this happen? So and so BC to these dates. Or whatever. Oh, it, okay. It's a really weird note-taking style. I honestly don't really understand the practicality of it very much. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, it's stuck in my mind. I think when you... you related to sales, too. Um, <laughs> when you look at any type of framework or, or methodology that helps people think about ways of doing things, I uh -huh. think is simpler. Instead of just saying, take notes. Yeah. Uh, here's a method of here's taking a way to notes. Do it. Yeah, so... Excellent. So, uh, problem-solving is not... You know, how to train yourself for problem solving is not something that is an easy necessarily, uh, is necessarily an easy answer, but if you can train yourself to ask the questions, to probe, to be curious, you can definitely learn how to do it. And that's my final thoughts, Brian. Any final thoughts from you? No, I don't think so. I think that the best thing that we hit on is that it absolutely is an improvable skill. Definitely. That Definitely. I think is like underwritten. I think people connect their intelligence to a certain level, yeah. but it's everything is improvable. And honestly, I don't think there's very many unimprovable yeah. skills when it comes down to it, as long as you want to improve yeah. them. Great. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.